we have brought ourselves to the seventh verse in first timothy chapter number two and we just came off of two powerful verses five for there is one god and one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus praise the lord for that who gave himself a ransom for all praise the lord for that to be testified in due time uh then it goes on to say whereunto this is paul starting off this verse uh bearing witness to what his purpose is it's the testimony of what the purpose to which he has been appointed to and so he's saying whereunto he said look all of what i said now this is my purpose i am ordained a preacher and an apostle i speak the truth in christ and lie not a teacher of the gentiles in faith and verity another loaded verse of scripture he says uh when he says he's ordained that means it's settled and it's established that paul being ordained being established to three specific things or titles if you will and what are those three it says a preacher that's number one <laughs> An apostle, that's number two, and then a teacher of the Gentile. And Paul has been invested, he is invested with these ministerial responsibilities and these, if you will, pastoral functions. And so how do you know somebody's ordained? We're going to look at that tonight. It, it's going to be important. Now, let me, I'm going to have to qualify some of the things that I said, especially uh, when it comes to pastoral functions and then with Paul's name being mentioned within that phrase. We'll try to unpack that tonight. What I'd like you to do next, though, is go to Mark chapter number three, book of Mark. Chapter number three. <clears throat> Mark chapter number three, and we'll look at verse number 14. Mark chapter number three, verse number 14. Paul says, I am ordained in 1 Timothy chapter number two. And in Mark chapter number three, the, the, the uh, word shows up in, in reference to the 12. Bible says in verse number 14, and he, that be Jesus, ordained 12. That they should be with him, that be Jesus, and that he might send them forth to preach and have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And we'll get into a little bit of that tonight. A lot of commentaries say that this does not express the notion of ordination concerning the ministry or ministry responsibility. I would beg to differ on that. And the reason I would beg to differ is because when you read the text, it seems like the 12 are ministering. Okay? They absolutely are ministering. Uh, we see verse 13. They were called unto him. They were called by Christ unto him. Uh, we also see in 
verse number 14 at the end of the verse. They go forth, they're out there, and they're preaching. When you go and do that, you are entrusted with ministering to people. Verse number 15, and to have power. <laughs> they had God's power. Now we are going to come back and deal with apostles toward the end of the message. But we have power from God and we are entrusted with God's power, the power of the gospel. Does that make sense? Um, and that's going to be important and we'll circle back to that. But to say that this ordination uh, isn't tied to ministry, I, I don't agree with those commentators when they say that because they clearly are ministering. And what qualified them? What qualified them was that Christ called and chose them and said, hey, you go. And they, and they went. A lot of this stuff we make harder than it actually has to be. Um, what are we supposed to do as New Testament Christians? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What are they going forth and doing? They're going forth and they're preaching. They're preaching. And um, how then shall they call on him and whom they have not believed and how believe in him whom they have not heard? How, how shall they hear without a preacher? Preacher. Right? We need the gospel to be preached. Go to John chapter 15. Say something else. It's really good truth. Look at John 15. Jesus starts off in verse number one, John chapter 15, verse number one. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the husband. See that? I'm the vine. Look at verse two. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Watch it again. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth much Fruit. See that branch, fruit, see all that? Look at verse number four. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Who's the vine? Jesus told us. How is the branch going to bear fruit? Only if it's connected to who? You got it. Jesus Christ as the the true vine. Look at verse number uh, number five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I mean, you can have a certificate on your wall. I've been ordained at the XYZ Baptist Seminary from I mean, you can get an ordination certificate online. Y'all know that, right? I know some of you are going to be Googling that tonight. Look, that, that doesn't amount to a hill of beans if you're not connected to Christ. You're not going to bear forth any fruit. You might impress some doctors. You might impress some lawyers. You might impress some businessmen. 
and you can show your certificate of ordination to him. But for the most part, God's not pressed. What he wants is people connected to him. And he will send you forth. And that is the most important thing. Look at verse 8. Herein is my father glorified. That ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciple. I just want to glorify God in my life. Okay, we'll be a disciple. <laughs> Bring forth fruit that's worthy. Does that make sense? We can't do it on our own. Can't do it on our own. We've got to be connected to the true mind. Now watch what it says in verse number 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and, watch this, ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it. You, we last Lord for a lot of things. It's not in the Father's name. So, if Christ ordained, and the objective of the ordination was to bring forth fruit, what is the evidence of God's call upon someone's life? They're going forth. They're preaching the gospel. Fruit is coming to pass. We want Pilgrim Baptist, our local flock, to bear fruit. And if we're going to bear fruit, we all need to be on the same page with, number one, going forth with the gospel. And just because you don't have feet that can go, there are many other ways to contribute to the going. Do you fast? Do you pray? Do you give? Do you fellowship? Do you throw some attaboys and attagirls to the way of those that are actually going boots on the ground? This thing is more about, well, let's just send the preacher out. Everybody should be involved in the work. Back in Psalms 80, you don't have to turn there, but he, uh, thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Psalms 80 talks about We all know who in the Old Testament, who was brought out of Egypt? That'd be Israel. Thou hast brought a vine. The Old Testament, Old Testament Israel is likened to a vine. And God said, thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. John 15 tells us that Christ is the true vine and Christ's disciples are the branches you know why Israel couldn't bear fruit rebellion of God rebellion against God and his commands not union you know why a lot of churches can't bear fruit you know why a lot of Christians can't bear fruit Look, we need to stop just blaming the megachurch movement and the Laodicean Christianity. There's enough low-hanging fruit, so to speak, to pickle on this carnival Christianity stuff. But we have to stop using that as an excuse for Bible-believing Christians to not go forth and bear fruit. 
a lot of it is because we're not staying. Look, I know we, we just came off Romans 8. I know there's no condemnation and there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Praise the Lord. Okay, we get that. But a lot of us are walking kind of like this. We got one foot in the world, and then Sunday we just put another foot in the kingdom. And then Monday we go back into the world. It's it's like we kind of plug in and plug out and plug in and plug out. And next thing you know, that extension cord gets worn out. Not good for nothing. Might as well just stay plugged in. I mean, how's that? I mean, everybody's plugged into their scrolls on Facebook and Instasin and, and uh, you know, all that YouTube stuff. Um Look, I'm preaching to myself, too. I don't want to be just plugged into that stuff. I want to be plugged in full time to the work of the ministry. I don't want to be addicted to the scroll. I want to be addicted to the ministry. I want addiction that's all right. Okay. Look at Romans 7. I'm going to bypass this. Romans 7. Verse number 4. Romans 7, verse 4. I know we spent a good time in this a few months back. But we'll just look at it briefly. Whereunto my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that's Jesus Christ, that we should what? Bring forth fruit unto God. That's why Israel couldn't bring forth fruit. And as believers, we're closely united to him as branches in a vine. The life sap of that vine goes into the branch. And this is how the believer produces fruit. And this is our union with Christ. Well, how do I know? Well, you got your finger in John 15? If not, let's go back there. Here's one indicator you can know that you're, you have been ordained of God. You've been called by God. You've been sent forth by God to preach. And you are, you are a branch. You are Christ's disciple. Here's a way that you can know. Here's an indicator. Here's a trigger. That's what they say nowadays. Okay, you ready to get triggered? John chapter 15, look at verse number 18. If the world hate you, Ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Don't ever say, I just don't know if I can go out there. I mean, that world, those, those people might be mean to me. They might. Jesus told us. The world is going to hate you. You don't have to sign up for it. It's a given. As a believer in Christ, this world will hate you. Why? It hated him. Who were you plugged into? You picking up what God's putting down? It's serious business. This world is going to hate you. Look at verse number uh, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. That's why a lot of you got saved and you lost all your so-called friends. Why? They loved you when you were out at the bar drinking with them. They loved you when you were out in the street corner doing drugs. They loved you when you were listening to all the stuff at the, uh, at the dance hall and the clubs and all that. They loved you until you came out of that world. 
Now, all of a sudden, the relationship changes. Why? It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. Look at verse number 23. If I had not done... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 23. He that hateth me hateth my father also. They hate God. Verse number 25. But this cometh to pass. Well, let me say this before I read the rest of the verse. Do you know that God is a God of love and a God of hate? Well, why do you hate? You say, why are you being a hater? Why do you hate? Well, because God hates. Have you ever... I mean, is there a vegetable that you just hate? You hate you you hate a certain vegetable and you love others. You know God hates sin. You know God loves us. You know He died for us in our sinful condition. So this idea that, well, look, everybody hates. The world hates God. The world hates Christians. Christians should hate sin. You can't have hate without love. You can't have love without hate. You hate one thing, you're going to love the other. If you love one thing, you're going to hate the other. Well, and so watch what he says. But this cometh to pass in verse 25, that the word might be fulfilled that it is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. Which would tell me and should tell you that Jesus is trying to get us to understand a few things. One of them is it's okay to hate with a cause. They're hating Jesus without a cause. They're hating you without a cause. You, If you're going to hate something, you better have a cause. You say, preacher, you just should be all lovey-dovey. You should just be the preacher of love. So you're telling me I'm supposed to love the fact that people get killed by drunk drivers every Friday and Saturday night because they're, they're getting intoxicated with liquor. I don't love. Do you love that? I don't love it. And nobody loves it when it's their kid or their grandkid. Or their brother, or their sister, or their mother, or their father. All of a sudden, now it changes. Now they want a preacher at graveside. We are called to hate sin. We are. That's a cause. They hated Jesus without a cause. They let the sinners go. <laughs> if there was a cause for anybody to be on the cross... It was those, it was Barabbas. It was those two malefactors. Jesus, he was a just man. He, he'd done nothing of it. You're never going to find love in this world. And believe me, I looked. I looked. And I searched. And you know what I found? The same emptiness. 
But then Jesus came. Then Jesus. But look, the world hates Christ, and the true believer uh, just expect the same treatment. Bringing our thoughts back to the idea of ordination, let's get Acts chapter number 13. If you've been ordained as a disciple, you're going to bring forth fruit. And there'll be some evidence that the world hates you. There'll be some evidence of fruit being produced. But get Acts chapter number 13. But the human authoring isn't necessarily ordination. We talked a little bit about that, how you can get a certificate. Ordination biblically is the responsibility and the privilege to serve others. And if you were to go to a restaurant, you would have a server that would come. And if you're sitting at that restaurant, you've had a bad day, and you're real short with the waitress. She is there to serve and smile. And even if she wants to accidentally trip and spill the water on you because you're because you're just so rude, she doesn't. Why? Because she's there to serve. And that's the ministry. Serving people. And a local church, biblically speaking, should recognize the call of God and the gift of God that a man or a woman has for service to God. Not talking about women preaching, nothing like that. That is not the context of that phrase. Women are called to serve as well. But that's the idea. Ordination for a man to preach, a local church should recognize the call and the gift of God upon his life. Because if that isn't recognized by other believers, it doesn't matter how many degrees or certificates or letters you have after your name. It's not going to amount to the union with Christ, the calling of God, fruit being brought forward, and the world hating. Man, the world hates that guy. Yeah, he must be called a God. These preachers that get along with everybody, I don't know. They can go anywhere to get along with everybody. That's really the call of God. Many men were voted in and are behind the pulpit that shouldn't be there. And a lot of times the clearest decision can be made when there isn't human authoring or politically man-made systems or methodologies in place. And a lot of times if a group of people that love God would just come together and fast and pray and start looking for the evidence in someone's life, it's going to go a lot further than trying to force something into a man-made system. This is why we just have a mess in America. Because of that reason, we're trying to force systems and shouldn't be that way. Christ qualifies in Acts chapter 13. As you turn there, let's look at verse 48. Acts 13. Verse number 48. 
And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. Now, this is not for ordination to our Reformed friends that may be listening abroad. This is not a before the foundation of the world for ordination or election. This is, did you believe the word? Then you ordained it to eternal life. I want that rather than a shiny framed certificate. Amen. Big deal. You got your four favorite preachers to sign a certificate. Have you been ordained to eternal life? What does that mean? Have you believed the word? And you know, every single one that was ordained to eternal life, you know what they did? They went out and preached the word. If you believe the word, preach the word. Too many Christians want to bring people in on back to school with a backpack night. And they want to bring them in with uh, crowns and coloring books and pencils and pencil cases. And look, I know if somebody needs something, we'll give it to them. But if you can't get them to believe on the word, they're not going to be ordained to eternal life. We're going to have a fancy backpack. Who gave me that? Uh, the carnival church gave it to me. What is it? Well, that's great. Do you, do you know what Jesus did for you so you can have eternal life? No, what's eternal life? You see? You see? Church is in a mess. You believe you want someone to believe the word this weekend and be ordained to eternal life. That's the ordination that we should all desire. Look at Acts 14. Acts 14, verse 23. Paul said, I am ordained. I'm telling you, Paul's not saying, look, I got a flashy certificate. He's saying a lot more than that. That's what we're looking at this evening. Acts 14, verse 23. Bible says, and when they had ordained them elders in every church, notice you can have a plurality of elders in every church, singular. What's singular? The church, the local church is in reference there. And then at every local church, you would have a plurality of elders. You don't have a singular elder over multiple churches. You don't have a plurality of elders over a plurality of churches. You can have a plurality of elders in a single local church. Does that make sense? It's important to pull that truth out. And had prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Again, you can have all the business meetings you want. And you can bicker and fight about it for six months and then finally take a vote. And that doesn't mean it's the will of God. It means you might have a group of people that are the big givers, the big influencers, the good arguers. 
and they can strong arm. You know what? I'd rather have a group of people that are praying and fasting and looking and recognizing and praying and fasting some more where it becomes evident that man meets that qualification. That man meets those qualifications. It's, there's some evidence. It's called approving. Praise the Lord for it. And they would be entrusted with, local churches entrusted, these elders, with the responsibility and privilege of, again, serving. But they were ordained through prayerful consideration that included fasting. First Corinthians chapter number 9. First Corinthians 9. First Corinthians chapter nine. Look at verse 14. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Well, I'm saved. Well, how's your life? You're going to preach the gospel tomorrow night. You're going to give out gospel tracts. You better not allow that person to see you the next day down at Father Tom's pub or down at Sparky's partying with the drinking crowd. They that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Who are you living for? Who are you living for? Because it will be evidenced by your life. It used to be whatever's on, you know, you, whatever somebody's getting in the mail, you know, it used to be you can figure out who they're living for by their mail, what would come in the mail, or by checking their checkbook. You know, that's a thing, checkbooks. That used to be the big thing. You know, you see what someone's checkbook, all the checks are going out to. That's not really a thing anymore. Now you look at someone's Facebook, their YouTube channel, all that stuff. Everything's, the media isn't mail anymore. The media is social. It's internet stuff. It's a big thing. What you living for? Who you living for? You going to preach the gospel? You better live the gospel. You want your testimony to line up with what you say. That's how you're going to convince someone you've been ordained to eternal life. Amen. All right. All right. Ephesians 2. Uh, Ephesians 2. I want to get through all this. But I don't think we are. So we'll finish with Ephesians 2. Uh, and then go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Psalms, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. Get those two spots, and we'll finish here, and then we'll wrap this message up on a Sunday afternoon. Because we will not get through it all tonight. Ephesians chapter number 2. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10. Ephesians 2.10. 
Well, we love, we love verses eight and nine. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Man, praise the Lord. I'm saved by grace. You know, you 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 know that's a simple truth to get a hold of. You know, and a lot of Christians don't like this verse, verse 10. For we, that would be us that want to say, yeah, we're saved by grace. For we are his workmanship. Christ made you. Created in Christ Jesus unto, watch this, good works. Again, it ties into your life. If you're saved by grace, verse 8 and 9, and you're not going to boast, verse number 9, and it's not of works, verse number 9. If you're, a, if you're created in Christ as his workmanship, he says now you're going to go forth and do good works. And that's the part a lot of Christians don't like. We like to just, hey, I'm saved by grace, 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 grace. Watch what God or God or if you're if you're ordained to eternal life, watch what God says in verse 10. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now you want to talk about foreordination? Here is what God foreordained. That every single person that trusts Christ and receives his grace. God foreordained that every one of those people should live under good works. That's what's before ordained. And if you are not doing that, if I'm not doing that, we would be out of the will of God. You want to talk about determinism? God determined that. That anyone that is in his son created in Christ Jesus. That they are created unto good works. You are to be something as a Christian. You are to do something as a Christian. You are expected by God to do those things. This has absolutely nothing to do with the place you're going to go to. It has everything to do with what are you doing with your life now? What are you going to be? All these kids going back to school, you know, all these parents are hopeful, you know, they're going to get a scholarship and we're going to get a tutor for them and we're going to stay extra classes. And, you know, all the dads are excited. Yeah, the football team's going to start up and the baseball team's going to start up and the hockey team and the golf team and the, and the choir and the, and the, you know, the, all this. And they're all excited. They're going to put all this time into it because they want to be somebody. They want their kid to be somebody. You ever think about that God said before the foundation of the world, he had foreordained that everyone that was in his son should be unto good works? You ever think about maybe putting a little bit more time into that? I've thought about it. Have you? Should we think about it more? I think so. I think we all can think more on that. 
All right, last spot tonight, and then we'll have to finish up. We'll get to an apostle on Sunday afternoon, and that'll be fun. But let's finish. I had my spot there. Ecclesiastes. Get back there. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Paul says ordained as a preacher. A preacher. Preacher, preacher, preacher. Look at it. Ecclesiastes. Chapter 1, verse number 2. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I don't care about your New Year's resolution. I don't care about your back-to-school plan. I don't care about your big... It's all vanity. It's all vanity. You want to know if a preacher is ordained of God, called of God, plugged into Christ, bearing fruit, hated by the world? I'll tell you how. He preaches that it's all vanity. It's not going to last. I've had the cars. I've had the big trucks. I've had the houses. I'm in my 30s. I had enough money to buy a half a million dollar custom home. Man, that's something to brag about. No, it's not. It's vanity. It fades away. It doesn't last. Somebody else is going to buy it. You're not going to have any more money. You're not taking it with you if you do have the money. You want to know if someone's got the call of God in their life? Everything's vanity. It's all vain glory for man. I'm not saying not have nice things. I have nice things. I like nice things. But at the end of the day, you know what it is? Vanity. Why? Because it passes away. Passes away. Chapter 12. Last chapter. Look at verse 8. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. That's how you know someone's been ordained of God. They're going to preach it's all vanity. Verse number nine, and moreover, because the preacher was wise. You want to be ordained of God, you're going to have some wisdom. He still taught the hated righteousness. What is that? That's giving and taking heed and set in order Many proverbs. You know what a preacher needs to do? He needs to be wise. He needs to teach knowledge. He needs to take heed. And he needs to set some things in order. And I'll tell you, that's what Paul did. Look at verse 10. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words. And that which was written was upright. Even words of truth. You see in that last verse. Words and words. How are they acceptable if they're truthful? You know what a preacher makes his life out of? Putting words together. That's what we do. I come and say words. I study words. I look at words. If somebody's ordained of God, those words should be acceptable and truthful. Now, that's a high calling. That's a high calling. 
May God help us all fight each truth. God, thank you for your word. 